0: This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of Podcasts.
1: What happens when regular people work together to create massive, meaningful change on a global scale? Welcome to the Carbon Almanac Collective, a podcast where the volunteers who created the Carbon Almanac share the insights and aha moments they had while collaborating on this landmark project to help fight the climate crisis. I'm your host, Jennifer Myers Chua, and it's not too late to join in on the conversation.
2: I'm Paige Nijame, and I'm from right outside of Boston, Massachusetts. And my role in the Almanac was to be a writer and um, sort of collaborator in the kids section, um, the kids materials that we're doing, um, that will be a free download for everybody, and also to um, write and uh, edit and collaborate on the rookie section of the Carbon Almanac.
3: My name is okay. Mitch Matthias, and I live in the UK, a town called Lewis in the south of England. And my role on the Carbon Almanac ended up being a really interesting one. I was doing some hand-drawn illustrations. The rest of the... Almanac really was quite digital, um, infographics and charts and graphs and things. But this one section really benefited from just a, a whole different style. And i was really pleased to be able to contribute.
0: My name is Boon. I'm from Singapore. My contribution to the Almanac is layout for the kids' Almanac and infographics and charts.
1: I'm wondering if anyone has learned one thing About the climate crisis from working on the kids project that has just blown your mind? Anything?
3: Not any one particular thing, but lots of surprises along the way. Um, Just like facts about concrete, for instance. I never realized that that was a massive contributor. And now I can't look at building projects going up around here without thinking about that.
2: I was a rookie myself when I joined this project. Um, and so when when we talk about um, concrete, um, and, and Mishi says that she sees the buildings of concrete, it's such it's so complicated, right? Because concrete is so cheap. So in developing countries, they use concrete to make um, these buildings so that they can live. and we all have to live, right? So it's so complicated. We, we need concrete, but concrete is bad for the earth. So we've got to figure out a, a better way to do it. Um, that's just as inexpensive. Um, The other thing that really surprised me was I was one of those people that thought like, well, I'm recycling. And so I'm doing everything I can. And it turns out that like one of the first things we learned was that the um that, you know, when you throw something in a recycling bin, it doesn't mean that it's being recycled. That just blew my mind. I had heard that. Um, and somebody had once said that to me, and I thought, oh, he's crazy. But that was what came out. So I, I was a rookie, and so I learned so much.
1: And Mishi, what led you to joining the Almanac? <clears throat>
3: My background is in environmental work, which is what I'd been doing for many, many years before, in like in a previous life with working with Greenpeace. And ever since I was a kid, I've been really concerned about pollution and extinction and all those things. So I'm just an environmentalist through and through. But when I saw a, a chance to get involved with this, it was just the perfect thing. I suppose I'm one of those people that I've been involved in environmental stuff for so long that I kind of, sometimes you despair because even, you know, involved for a while, nothing's making a difference. And I just needed, it, it felt like a way that I could really work with other people and make something happen.
0: We all brought in the about Seth. So I followed him on his blog as well. Um, oh, I guess in my line of work as a designer, uh, I, I tend to not work very well with people in, in sales or marketing because most of them I tend to be very sales driven but for Seth, um, it's it's very different for how he talks about permission marketing, how he talks about leadership. So and that's how I started forward him. One day I was following his blog, and then I saw a post, and I thought that oh yeah, this this is this is definitely me doing it.
1: And Paige, why did you sign up?
2: So it's almost like why didn't I almost sign up? Right, like I almost didn't do this, and I would have lost the career, the, um, the chance of a lifetime. This has been the biggest thing I've done in my career and the most fun I've had. I don't know why it's so much more fun than the work I do because it's pretty similar, but it (laughs) just is. Um, so a couple of things, um, Seth, I follow his blog. Um, what a chance to be managed by Seth Godin, right? So initially when we came on to the, um, to the project, I was able to see how he was managing the project, how he was managing our team, how he was managing me. And I was able to instantly use what he, um, what he was teaching me to on my team at work. It was remarkable. It was instantly usable. And so like Seth has a, um, has a little saying at the, when he wants you to like, when he's excited about something, Oh, I just dropped my earphone. Um, When Seth is excited about something, he'll say, go, go, go. And last night, my husband was talking to one of our salespeople. I'm in business with my husband and I heard him say, go, go, go. And I thought, Oh my goodness. It has like, it has translated. (laughs) So, um, that was just like so remarkable to be sort of, um, working with your hero and then a hero that didn't disappoint because they always say, don't work with your heroes because they'll disappoint you. And this did not disappoint. And then to have things be so instantly usable. Um, And my professional development went so sky high instantly. So that is, that's why I did it. Um, But it's, it's, it's the the reason I stayed was the impact that we were making.
1: I work with my husband too. And we were talking last night as well. And we were joking that this is kind of like my NBA. 100%. -hmm. You know what I mean? Like the personal growth has been so magnificent on top of... You know, we're making a difference. We're doing something great and we're creatively collaborating, which is my favorite thing. With accountable people, that is the key, right? Everybody is so
2: accountable on this project. And, um, not that I'm not used to accountable people, but this level of accountability is remarkable. You ask for something, it is done in a second and done better than I thought it should be done, right? Like, wow, I never imagined Mishi's illustrations would be as beautiful as they were. And Boone's design would be as unbelievably captivating to children as it is. So like, you know, whatever, one t- I think a lot of times we, um, I'm nervous about working with a group, sort of like a group project in school, and you're like, oh, no, Right. Um, because you always are the one that is pulling me, I, at least in my case, I always feel like I'm pulling the most weight. And in this case, there's, there's none of that. We all were the the, the people that felt that way in our school groups. Um, and so anyway, it, I, I really feel like the accountability and everything being made better by the people on um, the project, you know, you would say something, and then somebody would just come in and add a few words that just made it so much better. Um, than you could ever do alone. So as much as I love to work alone, this was remarkable.
1: Mishi, I'd love to hear from you about the collaborative experience on this project. What was it like collaborating in a group like this? Well, it was really unbelievable. I would have thought it was impossible that it could work. You know, to
3: have that many people in such a non, non-hierarchical way, where anybody, um, no matter what level of background, experience, expertise, whatever. Everyone was free to go everywhere and comment on anything and make suggestions and, you know, lead inform groups and form groups and all that. I just wouldn't have thought it could work. It just doesn't seem reasonable. <laughs> um And yet it did. And it was just remarkable. I, the, the level of energy has been incredible. Um People just seem to be awake 24 hours a day doing things. And... I think you know I've been thinking about how how could this work really and it, I still find it hard to believe you know that that it did we got a book together in a, such a short period of time and those things usually take years um and all volunteers you know all around the world it really was something else and I think a big part of it is the way Seth managed it you know like like Paige was saying it was just really amazing to witness he let us run but he was somehow always had oversights on. And if, if the thing's going a bit the wrong way, you know, he would steer it back, he would comment, he would encourage, he was always positive. Um, But, you know, he, he had certain things that had to be done. And aside from that, it could go off in, you know, all sorts of unexpected directions and let people's own creativity, um, you know, come to, come to the fore. So, yeah, I've never seen a collaboration like that. I work on my own, all by myself, at my desk, um, you know, just me and a client. Um, and I kind of, I'm, I'm really used to that. So, yeah, this has been a great experience that it doesn't always have to be that way.
1: And Boom, what's your experience been like here? I'm only assuming that this is quite different from your regular day in in the design world. How has this experience affected you?
0: Um. Uh, yeah, it's certainly different. Um, so actually, I haven't been practicing design for a while, already. Um, I'm currently teaching, although I just recently left my free time post. Um, so, um, I think as a designer, we do get to collaborate quite a fair bit, but again, not on this level. Um, I work, I, I prefer to work in small teams, uh, because I am, um, I guess because my personality. Um, yeah, but, but for this, um, I was actually apprehensive about drawing or, but then again, I thought since it's a volunteer stint, um, I guess people can be more forgiving if, you know, if, if we do not do as well as, as expected. Um, but it turns out that, um, I guess to, to echo what Hf mentioned earlier about Seth, about, like, being a hero and preferably not to work with a hero, I was actually also very apprehensive about that. Um, But yeah, he walked the talk. So very, very happy about that. Very, very happy.
1: I am going to agree with you on that. I feel like Seth's been nothing but genuine and accommodating and just lovely to all of us. So that's just an aside. When talking, I'm assuming from working on the kids project, When talking to kids about climate change, you hear some pretty outrageous ideas. So before this, I asked my seven-year-old for an idea, what kind of invention she would submit if we were looking for inventions. So like building a ship to ride into space with carbon-catching vacuum backpacks? I don't know. That could work. What kid or adult-inspired climate change invention do you wish was reality? (laughs)
2: there's one section um, of the kids materials that I really feel hits sort of the biggest problem with all of this. And that is like, what's taking so long? I feel like kids are like, what's going on? Why is nobody doing anything? If I could wave a magic wand, I would make carbon emissions visible, right? So if fire could could spout out of your tailpipe every time you you drove your gasoline car. You'd be pretty uh, alarmed by that. But it's since they're invisible, nobody's sort of alarmed. Um, so that's what I would do. I would make it more visible. And I think that people would act as if there was a fire. Because we certainly act when, when things are more visible.
1: Mishi, do you have any outrageous kid or adult inventions that... Might be inspiring you to, for a career in invention building.
3: I haven't really, really thought that way. I'm afraid in, in researching for, for, um, encouraging kids to become inventors themselves, I did look into some of the things that have been invented and we've got a few illustrations of, of those. They're quite sensible things that actually do make a difference that, you know, things that don't need electricity and, and don't need plastic. So. Maybe just a, a whole series of, of changing what we take as normal. It's going to go a long way. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when you didn't walk into a supermarket and get given a plastic bag. And when water didn't come in bottles, water bottles, yeah, in even glass bottles back in the old days, the only people that had a plastic bottle of water were cyclists or campers. And life was perfectly good then. I think in some ways we have to... Not think about some, um, so much standard of living, but quality of life. And those things don't really need to be happening.
1: Boone, have you had any bright invention ideas working on this project?
3: I mean, if,
0: if it's going to be some kind of a magic conception, then probably something to, to snag those politicians who are not doing anything about kind of change. So maybe like your uh, Trumps and your Boris us, Yeah. So people like that. Snap them, put them away.
1: What were some of the contributions that you think that Mishi and Paige brought to this project that are worth talking about or worth noting?
0: I just, I just feel that I didn't expect to work so well with both of them because we started off with the cup and Almanac. Uh, I don't think we actually crossed path too much yes, that's what they all did. everything was very organized where it was going and we had discussions it's very open. so yeah, it was just yes. it, there's this familiarity although we are kind of with this something like that I yes
1: and Mishi, what are the contributions that are notable from Boone and Paige like what have they brought to this project that has helped you in your realization of what you've come here to do? Well, Paige has the most incredible energy and nothing.
3: She doesn't seem to word, to know the word no or can't do it. This is all new to her, as she said. And the whole idea of coming up with a kids book was a completely new idea. And she just leapt into it with, with such an admirable level of enthusiasm, which I just think is fantastic. Um, And my God, working with Boone, all I have to do is make a simple drafty little sketch and he'll, you know, place it in in the text and and do graphics around it and colors and whatever. And you can just see how brilliant it's going to be. I was watching your work, you know, during the whole Carbon Almanac, the main book process, and just amazing the sort of graphics you're coming up with. And to get to work with you directly on this, I just love it. And you're so quick.
2: Mishi and I were complete strangers back in November when we decided that, yes, we think we need a section here for rookies. Um, I, I'm not even sure who introduced us. It was Seth. But, um, it was Seth's Seth, idea. It was, oh, yeah, I yeah. think he said, look at, look at what, um, Mishi does and doesn't this sort of speak to a rookie? And it did. I mean, the, the illustrations are, that she does are, just so clear that she just is so clear about how she expresses herself in illustration. And one of the things that Mishi has shown me is all the stuff that she's done in the past. She actually does recipes with no words or very few words. And you know what? It's so much easier to, to cook a recipe when you're just looking at an illustration versus having to read through the whole recipe. This is another funny thing. I was, you get to know people personally. So we were talking about our kids and I was saying, oh, I've got teenagers and they leave the towels on the floor. And Michi's like, oh, I have something for you. And she she grabbed this, what is it called? Michi, principles of evaporation.
3: Rudiments of evaporation.
2: So Michi sent me something that she had done for her kids and she had posted it in her bathroom because one of the things in the kids' materials is a, a set of fast facts that we are going to have the kids post in the bathroom, figuring that's a great place for the whole family to see it because who's not going to read something that's posted on the wall? I just love her style. And the the rudiments of evaporation are... Simply that a towel placed on the floor is not going to evaporate as as easily as a towel that's hung up. It's it's so adorable, and she had done that for her kids, and so I now have it on my bathroom wall. The clarity at which she um, illustrates was remarkable to me, and so it was just so much fun. We we just had so much fun, and the other thing about um, Michi is that she keeps me completely scientifically honest and. Um, climate honest too. So like whenever I would mention a car, she's like, well, you're assuming that a car is normal. Why don't we go ahead and assume that cars are not normal and then write it? And it just like opened my eyes to the fact that here I am writing a book on climate change, assuming that a car driving a gas car is normal. And now we have to talk about behavior to sort of mitigate that versus maybe it's not normal. Maybe we can come up with um, other ways to travel. It, it was just so wonderful. And Boone, so I had seen Boone, we did not work together too much on the actual Carbon Almanac. But I saw his work, because we're allowed to sort of peek in at all the different work streams. And I thought, if I do this kid's uh, book, or the kid's materials, I want Boone to design it because I just saw, again, clarity of thought, the ability to turn something around and make What he was doing on the adult carbon almanac or the regular carbon almanac was making charts to illustrate things that were not necessarily very clear and easy to understand. And all of a sudden, I was understanding them. So again, as the target audience for the rookies, I was just blown away by how how well he could communicate with, with his graphics.
1: I will say that I had the opportunity to work with Boone throughout the building of the Almanac, and I have spent months trying to get into his brain and figure out how he thinks like that, and I've had no success. So Boone, your ability to take a really complex idea and turn it into something so just brilliantly simple and easy to understand is really remarkable. So all the kudos we can give you. And if you have any tips on how to think like that, I will take them now uh, and we can share with everyone. But how do you take an idea that is really complicated and distill it? Like, is this just a part of who you are or do you have any tips to share?
0: Um, I would say it's actually just, um, you know, when, when I read something and then I don't understand, I have to make sure that I understand completely before I start to design it. So like what Paige mentioned, she didn't understand it earlier on um, after seeing the graphics, then she said it understand So for me, it's I'll need to read the article. Um, sometimes if it's clear, then I'll look at some of the links that you have attached to the articles. Or once I did a terrible then I'll try to do it up and I said, I'll see whether I could I understand it or not.
1: Mishi, yeah. do you have any insights into your creative process on how you take things that are really complicated and simplify them?
3: It's just how my brain works. I really can't explain it. Um, I just, I visualize Things like that. Like, I don't know. I mean, Paige mentioned the graphic recipes for years, even before I started doing them in a thinking of publishing or anything. If I read a, a long, complicated recipe, it would be so annoying. Like, you have to keep going back. How many grams of flour was that? When did you put in the celery? I would just sketch it literally, like on the back of an envelope before I could cook, just with really rough sketches and arrows and things like that. And to me, that's just how, how I think. I don't know. My, my style, if I have one, is very, it, it it's hand-drawn, of course, and there's a line between quirky and downright messy, and I'm always fighting with where I sit on that line because at some point it's, it's good and at some point it's bad, and I'm a really not the right judge for that. But having said that, I've been doing some really, really sketchy illustrations just for the drafting at this point. Because people may not be aware of this, but when, when you're like putting illustrations into printed, you know, pages, they've got to be the right size. And there's no point coming up with the finished product because you don't know if it's going to be shrunk or expanded. You want to draw at the right size. So for now, I'm just doing really sketchy things. And somehow Boone is coloring them digitally. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, that almost looks like we could live with it. It's amazing. My creative process involves a lot of drafting. Basically, that's, that's what takes forever is pencil sketch after pencil sketch and getting things in the right place, getting things to work together on the page, um, and to fill the space nicely. And then, you know, to be really, really clear, you can see what, what happens first, what happens next, which part of the illustration matches what, what you want your eye to be drawn to and what's just sort of background detail. It, I'm afraid it's, I'm completely self taught. It's just all kind of intuitive, I suppose. But, you know, I've been doing it for a few years now. Not a lot of years, but a few years. And, and yeah, still sure. learning constantly.
1: And when we're talking to kids about the climate emergency, what have you learned about how to communicate with kids about the issues that we are all facing? Paige, do you want to go first?
2: So we actually interviewed a bunch of kids who were the kids of a lot of the collaborators of the Almanac. And the one thing um, that kept coming out was don't treat us like babies. So it was, we we had to make sure something that obviously written at their level um, is a design that would attract a kid, but not treat them as a baby. And the I think Boone did a, such a service to our, to our kids' materials by, I hope I get this right, Boone. He, our, our background isn't white, which would be a little kidsy. Our background is off white, which is a little more adult, but not quite so adult that a kid wouldn't want to, to engage in it. And then the primary colors that he used, we do use primary colors, but you'll notice that they're all slightly muted, so the purple is just a little. There's there's a little mute um, bit of muted in the purple and the green, and that made it a little more adult for the kids. Same thing with the writing. You'll notice that it's very conversational and very easy to follow. And honestly, I think some adults will learn a whole lot reading the kids' materials. But we really, really tried to make sure we were not treating the kids like like babies. That's one thing that they really, really asked us to do. And what we're going to do we're right now about three quarters of the way through the first draft, we will, we're going to throw the whole set of kids materials by the kids again, and get their feedback, which That's I'm sure a good that they'll, idea. Love, they'll love to give us.
1: Boone, do you have any insight on how you are using your design to communicate with the kids in a more kid friendly way?
0: Um, I don't come into contact with lots of kids, so I did try to get hold of my friends' nieces, nephews, but after a while, I kind of realized that it may not be a dreamer accurate because um the grade of their studies versus the grade of us other kids, so it's quite different. So I I kind of got like very different feedback from Asian kids.
3: To be honest, I'm not drawing anything any different than how I would draw it for an adult. It's just how I draw. And I think it, um if it's clear, then you can understand it at any age. But the one thing that is sort of more kid-oriented is that Paige had this idea of doing a step-by-step drawing tutorial where you sort of have maybe eight, eight steps along the way. You add a little something to draw some of the endangered species, which would make more of a connection with the kids to think about what they actually are. I've never made a step-by-step illustration guide before. So that was quite, quite fun uh, and, and challenging. But anyway, and do you
2: remember to what you said? You were like, wait a minute. You, somebody would need this. Why can't I just give them the last illustration and have them copy it? <laughs> and I'm like, I could never do that. I need the step-by-step. Like, please draw the first, like, like partial wing of the monarch butterfly for me before you go anywhere close to being done with it. So she did end up, she didn't understand why anybody would need that. That was the funny part. And, and I suppose <laughs> any artist who just sees things um, and can draw them um, would never understand the fact that I would need step-by-step directions.
3: Well, fair enough.
1: So has anyone had an aha moment while working on this project that has changed how you look at yourself or changed how you show up in the world or changed your ideas about climate or science or anything like that? What are the overall aha moments that have you thinking differently than before you showed up here?
2: So before I started working, I really thought that individuals... Um, working on their own in their own little households, you know, sort of charity starts at home, that type of change would work. And that type of change has to happen. We need to model good behavior. I'm not saying that we shouldn't recycle, or we shouldn't teach children to uh, uh, eat more plants. But what's really got to happen is big, big systemic change, because we all still need to charge our laptops, right? And yeah. nobody is going to stop charging their laptops, um, again, there's no fire coming out of the laptops when you charge them. We need, um, we need electric companies to switch over to renewables so that when we do plug in our laptops, it is better for the environment than the coal that they might be burning to generate that electricity. We need to elect officials that will promote climate change. Big companies need to change things, right? We still need to buy potatoes, um, but maybe we buy potatoes not in a plastic bag, but I can't change that as an individual because potatoes that I need for my mashed potatoes tonight come in a plastic bag.
1: Michi, have you had any aha
3: moments? I suppose, like I said at the beginning, the whole idea that you can collaborate with hundreds of people to get things done, that's that's a really good model for what we need to do, you know, to make this happen. And we can't all um do everything on our own. Like we all have our, our particular strengths and weaknesses and for instance, I feel very passionate and I feel like I have fairly good knowledge of things, but I don't feel like I'm a, a strong speaker. And that's not something that I particularly want to do is go out and argue with people. And well, that's not the right, the right way to do it anyway. But you know what I mean? That's probably not the role I would take. But if I can do things to help amplify other people who are doing that, then, you know, that's a, a legitimate role, which, which can help. So yeah, the whole idea of um, working with lots, and lots of other people, which is something that I would have been allergic to before, I see it can it can work, it can be a good thing.
1: And Boone, how about you?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if this is considered, uh, but okay. So so I love I I, I always love to read up about them, to observe them when I was much younger. Um, but I also love animals in another way. I love to eat meat. So when I teach a design, I do weave in topics about sustainability. I do talk about gender equality, talk about diversity. Um, so I, I do discuss these with my students, but I used to think that, okay, so I, I can't just be um, talking about these. I need to take some in my own. So I am cutting down on but I kind of still feel that may not be enough. And then I joined this and then like, oh, I, I suddenly have a lot more to talk about. Just go back to teach my students. So this conversation has come up a lot more since I took on this project.
1: Do you have any questions for either Michi or Boone? No, but I do have a
2: comment. Sure. I think both of them, when they, how you were asking, how do they do what they do? I think both of them approach things with a little... They The child in them, in both of them, never died, right? They, there's a piece of, of children in both of their minds that is open-minded and willing to be a little wacky. So I, I really appreciate that. Just the ability for them to, first of all, embrace the wackiness and really go with it, it makes things so much better. Now, I'm going to give you an example of something that happened the other day. Seth had mentioned something. We are, we're doing, we have an experiment in the kids' materials about how to uh, sort of notice greenhouse gases, how to, how a child can understand about the greenhouse effect. And we have the kid build a, like a little greenhouse with a glass bowl. In both cases, we needed a thermometer. And Seth said to us, well, you don't really need a thermometer. You could use cheese. Like if the cheese melts, it's warmer. And I thought, Oh, my goodness, I that is something that like, I might have mentioned in a corporate meeting. And everybody would have just been like, that is so crazy. What are you talking about melting cheese, but we all sort of got around the fact that maybe you don't need a thermometer for this project, maybe we could have the kids melt chocolate chip, chocolate chips, or butter or cheese. And that way, if they didn't have a thermometer, they could still do the, the experiment. And so the ability to keep everybody's everybody on this team's mind open to those wacky ideas made things so much better.
1: I am going to say while I'm here that I've been working on design teams for almost 20 years now. And Michi and Boone, you are both honestly, not exaggerating, probably the most talented designers I have ever worked with. I've been astounded by your contributions here and your willingness to take feedback and your willingness to make things better and greater and more clear. And I just cannot thank either one of you enough because it's been a delight to work with both of you. And I mean that completely honestly. And Paige is nodding, so I'm sure she feels the same. Well, well,
3: thank you, thank you Jennifer. I mean, it's been a real great experience for me to actually work with designers I've never done that before. I've just, as I said, worked on my own. I do things here and, you know, send them to the client, and I've had to do everything to actually work with a designer and who makes little suggestions along the way that make it better. Like, what if this thing were a little bit taller, and what if the smoke went here? And, um yeah, with an, with an eye to how it's going to look on the page in the end, it, that's been a great experience for me.
1: Do any of you have any closing words that, Maybe if we focus on how you've grown or how you've changed when you show up in the world, do any of you have any closing words? What I want everybody to understand
2: that I learned was that I thought in order to enact change, I'd have to maybe go pick it somewhere with a sign. And then maybe that was the only way to do it. Um, and that, you know, and that's not really me. And so what could I really help with? So I love to write. I don't mind leading something. And so here I was able to use my, um, my, the things that I find fun to help a cause move forward. And in thinking about, in thinking about like how other people could help, we have actually in both the rookie section and the kids materials given ideas like maybe you don't want to carry signs, but maybe the kids could babysit for people who are Carrying the signs, so that's a great contribution. If you're, if you love to cook, maybe you are making food for the volunteers. Maybe you have, maybe you're a bookkeeper and you can help with the the QuickBooks in the Green Candidate's office. There's so many ways you don't have to just go and pick it, um, and you don't have to sit on a phone and fundraise. Those are like two things that I would never consider myself a good person for. But there are just so many ways. So in my case, it was writing and and organizing. And who would have thought that actually could make a difference? But it ended up being such a great hobby, right? It was the thing that when whenever I was doing something at work that was hard, I'd always come back to the Carbon Almanac and do something that I found sort of joyful. And then I'd go back to work and I'd be in a better mood. Um, so I think that's really important for people to understand that you don't have to just stand there and carry the signs. You can do so many things.
3: I just like to pick on pick up on the the word volunteer, which Paige said there, because it's reminding me that when you're in the sort of arts world or the music world, which I also do, so many times you get asked to do something for free. It's like, no, we don't have a budget for the music. We don't have a budget for that. And there's a sort of general policy that you don't work for free, except in very special circumstances. I've always thought if it's something that I would have done anyway myself, of course I would do that for free. And this is exactly fitting that bill. My illustration tends to be for educational or environmental or social change or that kind of thing, where trying to get a message out into the world and contribute. It's just been such a delight. And... You meet such wonderful people here as well. I mean, the energy, the the commitments, um, it really is an experience like no other.
1: You've been listening to the Carbon Almanac Collective. This podcast is part of the Carbon Almanac Podcast Network. For more information, to join the movement and to order your copy of the Carbon Almanac, go to thecarbonalmanac.org subscribe and join us next time to get more insights from regular people mobilizing to help the world fight the climate emergency.